and I uh, invite you to uh, follow along with us as I read for us from the Gospel of Mark in chapter 1, uh, beginning in the first verse. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all of Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him with the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Friends, I hear in this text today an epic quest. A quest that uh, began oh so long ago. We'll talk about that. You know, whether in film or in literature, whether in film or literature, our gracious uh, God uh, has put on our hearts a need for a quest. And so we get drawn in, don't we? Whether you're reading uh, The Lord of the Rings or going back to King Arthur, or more recently, if you're like my family, It is watching The Mandalorian on Friday nights, the new uh, Star Wars uh, epic series. And there, whether you're a fan or not, there's a character, the main character, who is fond of saying frequently, this is the way. And I couldn't help but think of that when we're considering prepare the way this weekend. And this way, well, which way is it? Don't you naturally want to ask? And what are we being prepared for? Does your life ever feel like you're on a quest? Are you waiting to know if you're actually on the right path or you've jumped on the wrong one? You wonder maybe what is the significance of your everyday life or, or if there's a purpose Well, in the word from our Lord on this second weekend of Advent, I think the dots are being connected. The connection of God's epic quest through the ages and now connecting God's plan right up into your life and into mine. One of the fingerprints of God's creative work in history And one of the fingerprints of God's creative work in humanity is our desire for more than just simply survival. But our pursuit of purpose and significance. 
This is the way that brings peace and the promise. The promise of purpose. And we find it right here in the Gospel of Mark this morning. The dots get connected with the very first word. For us, it's three words in the beginning. But in Greek, it's arche. And every scholar that I came across wanted to make sure that we didn't miss that very first word. Because it draws us back right to the very first words of the Old Testament in Genesis 1. You see, the Septuagint, that is... Now, what's the Septuagint? That's the, the Greek translation of the Old Testament. And what are the first words of that Greek translation of the Old Testament in Genesis 1? Arche. And so Mark is taking us right back to the beginning... The beginning which began in creation now continues in this new beginning with the gospel of Jesus Christ who is the Son of God. Now, Mark will use this phrase, Son of God, very carefully. In fact, he won't use it again in the gospel until this quest culminates at the cross. Let's go back to the beginning because as we hear... He's quoting, he tells us he's quoting Isaiah. He's actually also quoting uh, Malachi 3 and, and Exodus 23. And so what we have here in this text is a filling up, a completion, uh, the dots being connected of a quest that began all through the ages since history began, since God created the heavens and the earth, since God was with us, and now the dots get connected further. Quoting Isaiah and Malachi and Exodus becomes very important for us, and I'll spend some more time on that a little bit later. Because what's going on here is not just a new beginning, and it's certainly that, but it's also a new and completed exodus. One scholar who uh, observed this and pointed this out calls what's going on at the beginning of the Gospel of Mark and what he wants us to hear is, and he describes it as a cosmopolitan exodus. That is an exodus for all people. A new, complete exodus that's being filled up by Jesus Completed, if you will, connecting those dots on this epic quest of God's desire to call us unto himself as God comes near. Now that, those first few letters of cosmopolitan or cosmo, you might recall from a few weeks ago when we talked about it in John 3. It's a, the world, the world that hates God. This is the world that God loves. This is the world that God has come to save for all time culminating not just in a cosmos out there, but a cosmos right here and in your heart and our hearts. Allow me to uh, make and renew the familiarity with you on the first Exodus to understand this next one that we're hearing about in Mark. God chooses an unlikely prophet in that first Exodus found in book of Exodus, and that unlikely hero is Moses, right? 
Moses is unlikely because he's to be God's spokesperson. He's to be God's prophet. And he's got a speech impediment. And this unlikely uh, leader, Moses, would be used by God to proclaim his word and to then, uh, under God's leadership, lead God's people out of the slavery they were experiencing in Egypt and into and across the Red Sea. And you're waiting for me to say into the promised land, aren't you? But that's not where they go to first. He leads them first out of slavery into the wilderness. And as scholars have pointed out, and as the word of God points out, they spend quite a long time in the wilderness. Much longer than first planned. Forty years, actually. And because of sin and complications, Moses will not be the leader that will lead them into the promised land. God will use another servant to do that. That servant's name is Joshua. And to help you connect the dots even further, what Joshua does with this time is to lead them right to the doorstep of the promised land at the Jordan River. But I've gotten ahead of myself. Let's talk about the wilderness for just a moment. What happened in the wilderness? They received on Mount Sinai the word of God. That word which came to them as God was near them in, in, in the cloud. And you remember that image of cloud that we heard about in the text last week of God's presence being near. Well, what happens when the word comes? Well, we know. It cuts to the heart. Not only does it tell us what we're called to do, but it reveals to us that we can't do it. And that we aren't doing it. And that we need to, what, in the wilderness? Repent. Right? Preparation includes repentance. Back to Joshua now. Joshua will be God's servant to lead them through the Jordan River and into the Promised Land. And guess what happens? Once again, he parts the Jordan River. In Joshua 3, it says that uh, uh, the water was up to its brinks. It was high level. Don't be thinking of the Rio Grande at this point, all right? All right? It's high water level, and the water is being uh, in... And maybe around April, uh, some scholars hypothesized that the water level is high. And this is when God, not during the easy time to cross the river, he takes them once again on dry land across and through the Jordan into the promised land. This, my friends, brings us to the banks of the Jordan River where God has us in the text today where he's about to complete a new exodus prepared by his forerunner, John the Baptist, but led no other than the one, Jesus, the Son of God. And remember, Jesus, the Son of God, is, that name Jesus, is the Greek translation of his Hebrew name, in Hebrew, Joshua. And so, this new Joshua this Jesus, which, by the way, Joshua means Yahweh brings salvation. 
And so guess who's bringing salvation once again? Through the Jordan River. Jesus. Yeshua. This Jesus now takes us through the waters of baptism. Through the Jordan River into the promised land. Now for all people who come to Him can be freed of the slavery of sin into the promised land of a new beginning, the new life in the gospel. I could stop the sermon right there, but I think I'm going to keep going for a little bit. Because God has a purpose. God's plan for humanity, like I said, isn't just cosmic. It's right here. It's for us. So what do you do with that plan? Well, last week I invited you to think of uh, these promises with this hermeneutic, to do something with them. And let's take that to the text. So you might recall last week I invited you that we can know the promise, that we can defend the promise, and that we can share the promise. And I'd like to take that invitation into the, uh, as a, a view on this text today. Well, we can know the promise because God's word is faithful. We've got some great examples right here in the Word. For example, John the Baptist's outfit. It wasn't just a social or, or fashion statement, right? He was once again drawing us back to the Old Testament and to the book of Kings and to the same outfit that, guess what, another one of God's messengers, and we hear that word messenger picked up here in Mark and quoting back in the Old Testament, whether it's the word, same word we use in Greek for angel or in, in the Old Testament Moloch for angel, messenger, this is who John is, and this messenger of God, this forerunner of God, this preparer that the scriptures would foretell would also include Elijah coming to be a forerunner for the Messiah. And guess what clothing outfit John the Baptist is wearing? The same clothes we hear Elijah is wearing. John is telling us with his fashion sense, he's not wearing the camel uh, jacket that you get at the high-end fashion market now. We're talking the itchy stuff probably, right? And he's making a statement not for comfort, but for the truth and fulfillment of God's word. So we can know that this promise is being fulfilled, that this quest is being culminated. I like how one scholar, Wessel, put it like this. Mark's intent and seems to be to proclaim the gospel already known and experienced by the Roman believers by rooting it in the events of Jesus' life. And there's indications that they had lost hold of some of these historical roots. Thus, it's the gospel about Jesus Christ, rooting it in history. We can know. And this leads us uh, to my next invitation. We can know the promise and we can defend the promise. And rooting it in history is important here. For Mark was written around, many scholars agree now, around 55 AD. Now some think it was a little bit later in the 60s, but most agree it was before the persecution of the church by Nero between 64 and 68 AD. Now why do all these uh, uh, historical dates matter? 
Uh, you won't be tested on a trivia later. It's for this reason. Mark was written early, at a time where there were still eyewitness accounts that could have refuted what he wrote. And so we can defend this truth as authentic, historic, ancient history, written early, close to the date. You say, well, 30 years since Jesus was dying and re resurrected, that seems like a far off time to write history. No, not in terms of ancient history. We have some ancient histories written sometimes hundreds of years later that we continue to accept as fact. So 30 years in the terms of ancient history is like Twitter or Instagram, instant, uh, uh, instant history, right? And it's also not only important that there were eyewitnesses that could affirm or, or, or deny the truth of what he wrote, but it's also important that he wrote it. I like as one preacher talked about this text, the reason why the Gospels were beginning to be written down at this point is because the Christians were dying, right? And they wanted to make sure that what was preserved wasn't uh, well, my Jesus or my quest or your quest, but the one true Jesus. Because as this pastor will point out, only the real Jesus can transform us. Only the real Jesus can take you through the Jordan River to the promised land. And so we can defend the promise with this truth. This isn't your quest or mine. This is quite literally, this is the way. Then finally, as we look at this text and hear it on our hearts today, we can share the promise. For God's word prepares us to do that. That God would bring us to the Jordan River and invite all through baptism to cross into the promised land. The promised land free of the slavery of sin. You know, so many of us have FOMO, you know, the fear of missing out. Missing out on a quest. Missing out on what we think is uh, the best or hippest or greatest at that moment. But what we hear in this text is that all who believe, who come to this real Jesus, will not miss out. This new beginning, this beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is for you and for me. And he takes the celebration of the Passover as we'll celebrate this new filled up meal at this table of grace, and he fills it up and completes it just as he completes the promise of crossing through the Jordan and takes it from the old exodus to the new. And we can invite others, not just Israel to cross the Red Sea now, but all peoples who come to Jesus, who follow this new, now complete, final Joshua, Jesus the Christ. Yahweh brings salvation. And so, friends, as you come to this table of grace today, whether here or from your home, we come to a meal that Jesus has filled up. We come to a quest that Jesus himself will complete on the cross for us. And like that first exodus, there were some who were afraid to cross over. They thought, well, the, those enemies are too great. Let's go back. 
Friends, there is no brokenness that the real Jesus can't heal. There is no sin he cannot forgive. There is no enemy, even the enemy of death, he will defeat on resurrection day. And on the day he comes again that we celebrate this Advent, he will put all things right. So, I invite you to come to the brinks, the brink of the Jordan River again, and be led forth through baptism into Christ, into the promised land of salvation. To know it, to defend it, to share it, to live it. This is a quest that Jesus completes for us and welcomes us on. And this promise of purpose will transform us as we eat this bread and drink this cup in Christ's name. He has come. And he will come again. Amen.